you're listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. Here we are once again, Rogue Table Talks, number 112, 112, 112. Do you think we'll list the number every time? I think we've, we've done it now for I, a while. Yeah, so I think seems, not to, yeah, yeah, it would be... A ripple would would, would wash through the space-time continuum. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, so what, ha- are... what happens when we reach, like... RTT 845. <laughs> right. What does happen? I don't know. Yeah. What does happen? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Will, will we have exhausted all the conversations? <laughs> right. Will it still be it me be... and you? I don't even know how long that'll be from now. <laughs> yeah. We'll be talking about dark energy or something or, you know, some, some weird something going on. Um, but we are... It's still talking about stories, stories in the big story. Talked about sacrifice. Talked about redemption, um, and we're going to talk about love. Love. Mm-hmm. Yes, love stories. <laughs> uh, brought to you by Mike and Chad uh, uh, on the night side. Talk about who do- love. Who doesn't love a good love story? Who doesn't love a good love story? Um, or Although maybe not today. <laughs> maybe not today. Yeah. Yes. Maybe not today. Some people may not love a good love story. Um. So I kind of let's maybe start with, you know, everyone loves a good love story. Lots of people love sort of bad cheesy love stories too. Hmm. Um. Right. So why is that? So you know, I did. Uh, I, I think a couple episodes ago, maybe I might have trashed Hallmark movies when I talked about Sacrifice. Is that a thing I did? I might have. Did you get an email I know email that's within that? me. <laughs> no, I didn't get an email. I did get a little conversation, um, which was a good question is, yes, that's true. They're not uh, a full picture of, but they're not trying to be. They're not trying to be a full picture of sacrificial love. Um, and lots of people seem drawn to them. And why is that? And I think mm-hmm. that's a good point. Why is that? Why are people mm. drawn <clears throat> to simple sort of, you know, a little bit of conflict, but then happy, happily ever after yeah. love stories? Um, I, I got a couple thoughts. Uh, one is... Um, when you have ideals of love, uh, that's probably what you start to think about is that you're going to meet somebody uh, in an ice skating rink, you're going to fall, they're going to pick you up, it's going to be love at first sight, there's going to be some minor conflict. Or you, right? I'm writing a script. Man. You're not sure Man. it's going to work out. <laughs> But the tension change, is not to change ice skating rink with horse riding trail <laughs> yes, or with anything business any, yeah, transaction. Yeah, right. uh, but I think what's appealing is that the tension is not too great. The tragedy, the obstacles to overcome, you know, you know how it's going to work out in the end. Mm-hmm. So there's this level of innocence to them. And I think that's comforting for some people. It's comforting because 
yeah, when I think about, when I envision my love story, I kind of think about that. And so mm-hmm. maybe it's a little comforting um, back to our younger, more idealistic, this is how, this that's romantic. This is what love is. Yeah, innocence is a good, it's a good word. Um, it made me think of, uh, you know, we took that Shakespeare class um, and uh, what was it? Uh, Midsummer's Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. Was that one of the, yeah. And, you know, one of the things about that, I mean, it's, it was different. You could tell almost immediately it was different from Hamlet or, you know, Macbeth mm-hmm. uh, in that, you know, things would happen and there'd be conflict, but you kind of, it had the sense or the tone of, okay, this is all going to work out in the end, you know, that yeah. you, it, it's not one of those kind of stories where, you know, real tragedy is going to come in. Well, Romeo and, and Juliet's a tragedy, right? It's a love story, but it's a tragedy. Yeah, and you and, get the sense pretty early on that this might turn out badly, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but that's, so that's, and that's, there is that's so, the thing. There's that, like, the Midsummer Night's Dream, it's a comedy. It's a, you know, technically in Shakespeare's plays, it's a comedy because there's minor minor loss, everything works out, people feel good about it in the end. And, and the reality is, uh, I heard someone the other day say, well, if you use that template to talk about the Bible, the Bible is a comedy because in the end there's more tragedy, but in the end, uh, this is where we're going. Like things mm-hmm. resolve well. Right. Yeah. It just takes, it just takes a few thousand years. Right. Uh, but it, yeah, it's going to a good place. Uh, and I think that's an interesting point. I didn't really, considered it from that angle um, that you know in a sense we are in a happily ever after story it's just the happily ever after part is after we're dead likely mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. it's a long way away but it's coming and so there is an echo of yeah things actually will resolve uh, I may not get resolution and all my problems won't be gone in this life, but that is coming. In the big, grander story, uh, it is a happy, it is a happy story. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why uh, those stories are attractive and people like them. Um, let's kind of slide off that a little bit, and then to say, so what are other good love stories? What makes a good love story what makes it uh, you know what are the asp- what are good love stories and why are they good uh, or uh, not just in the hallmark kind of good but in a fuller bigger sense even yeah usually what makes for, bad ones well I tend to think bad ones are easy easy ones there has to be some type of sacrifice or striving or pursuit. Like, you know, just even in real life, we have friends back in St. Louis that, you know, this guy fell in love with this girl and he literally asked her out five times and she rejected him four times. No, we're not going to go out. We're not going to go out. And now they're married and have three kids. And so 
you know, that tension that that creates is what makes mm. a good love story. Like, hey, I like you. Do you want to go out? Yes, we'll go out. And it's like, okay, well, that's kind of boring. Like, there has to be some type of cost, sacrifice. Mm. V- like, show the show the value of it. Like, this is really valuable mm. to me, and here's what I'm willing to do to get it, whether that's, you know, even in um, movies or stories, I'm going to go against my parents' wishes, right? Like, my this is forbidden right. love. I, I'm, I'm, right, a, I'm right. a, a royal, I'm royalty, and here is a member of the right. working class, and that Romeo that's attractive and to us, though. Yeah, yeah, right, right, against like against all odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some difficulty, conflict, uh, you know, some test, quest, uh, some sort of something that goes into. Uh, well, There's you, all, you know, con- go ahead. Did you ever watch A Walk to Remember? I did. I'm trying to remember it now. She so, is sick, right? She's sick, and he is, the fa- the father's a preacher, and it's a really good good love story, I think. She's sick, father's a preacher, she's kind of innocent, you know, preacher's daughter, and there's this guy who's, you know, the father doesn't approve of and all this stuff. Well, anyways, they end up falling in love. And um, it's kind of a forbidden love, but he doesn't know she's sick. But in the end, he finds out, but he still commits to, I believe, marrying her, even though in the end of the story, she dies soon after that. And knowing full well that he's going to lose her, uh, still mm-hmm. chooses to love her. So that to me, those, those type of things, you know, I'll commit to this regardless of, of mm-hmm. the outcome. Even though it might, on the surface, seem like a bad deal, uh-huh. uh, um, so a couple I thought of uh, are um, a little older, maybe, uh, or more familiar to some. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, I think, is in a way it's more than a love story, but it's a good love story in that there are, again, there's real okay, the real characters. You kind of the, the characters are not two-dimensional um you know there are more fuller characters um you know in a sense his prejudice because she's not of the upper class her pride because she's not of the upper class you know there's a real sense that that they may not get together you know Mm -hmm. uh and all of that gets overcome uh and you know in a sense both have to overcome their own obstacles you know that they put up uh, uh, against um, a relationship with this person um, little women is somewhat similar in that uh, again it's more than a love story but there are um, over long period of times struggles with relationships and how they're formed and who and um, it's not a again a simple two-dimensional you know, it does seem to sort of work out to some degree but it's not a happily it's not just a happily ever after everything's wonderful there's there's a realism uh, to that uh, as well um, I was thinking Shrek mm-hmm. I like um, that how come 
Well, I mean, I can't totally remember. I mean, it came to my mind, but then I can't totally remember all the details. We're like, does <laughs> she, uh, t- what's her deal? So she's a, um, she's a princess, but she, yeah, she... <laughs> it's funny. And now I can't remember. She's cursed. So at nighttime, yeah, she turns right. into an ogre. An ogre, right. right. So she turns into the monster. She falls in love with the monster, the ogre. Yeah. Uh, so again, there's this sense. Now there's a, obviously, it's, you know, it's not the kind of movie where you think, you know, there's going to be, it's not, it's not Romeo and Juliet, you know. <laughs> but it does remind me, yeah, it does remind me of, um, there's some theme there. It's like a Beauty and the Beast, which is a more obvious theme. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. she she doesn't love the Beast, but he's going to have to fall in love in order to be transformed. And and he thinks it's not going to happen, so there's all this fear and doubt and despair. And then she actually starts to fall in love with him, um, and that changes. So I, I, can't, I was looking for this quote. I can't remember who said it, but it's basically to love someone is to change to love someone perfectly is to change many times and how how that story plays about is the love story of beauty and the beast is she begins to change and she begins to change and starts to see him in a different light and to accept him and all of his beastliness which is obviously a metaphor for uh, our own monster if you will and to be loved uh, and known, including that we have this sinful nature inside of us, uh, is actually what brings about his transformation. So I think that's a, a, a thematic love story that even fits with um, the message of redemption is we are the beast, so to speak. God is the beauty and he loves us. He doesn't change, but he loves us uh, in knowing all of our you know, monstrosities. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, I hadn't really... Th- I mean, Beauty and the Beast is really good and it's sort of a redemptive love story. And, you know, I like that quote as well because, I mean, God doesn't change in a sense, but in a sense he, ta- he has to take on humanity uh, in order to love us in the way in which we need to be loved to be redeemed in a sense. I mean, he doesn't have to become a monster, but in a way he becomes a creature different and lesser than he was in order to yeah. love us enough to, you know, enact our redemption. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's really profound. And I'm sure it's not necessarily intended in that light, but it does fit with the big, the bigger story. And that's part of like the stories that fit. And this is sort of the theme throughout the whole the stories that really fit with a bigger story are the stories that really resonate the most. Yeah. Uh, and the bigger story is a little messy and does involve, sacrifice and change uh, and a commitment that costs something and so on. Um, the Somebody reminded me of uh, The uh, Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I don't, and I don't know if you, rem- if you remember that movie. It's not too fresh in my mind, although I did like it. I, I remember him. I forget about the actual love story in it. Yeah, so it's um, Jennifer Connelly and uh, who's the guy? Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe, right. Um, 
and it, it's it's a real and it's a real there is a real corresponding couple, not just two actresses, actors. Um, but uh, you know, he they're in love, they get married, he loses his mind, you know, right? He goes, uh, he has mental illness in a sense, and becomes a person who really needs to be cared for. He needs, like, the love story probably that she had in mind marrying this guy who was a brilliant, you know, student and so on. Um, is, is not the love story that it turned out to be. Uh, and yet she loved him well. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's uh, there's a... Again, that is a real story. It's not just a made-up one. But in a sense, like everyone's story is sort of like that. The love story that you have written, the the real one is not diff- is, is different than that. And and uh, but it, you end up getting maybe into a better place than you would have if it would have been the simple, you know, love story. You would have cost something. It changes you. Well, that's where uh, to me, it, like sacrifice is at the center of a good love story you know for Belle to run away from the beast and say I'm you know that's over I'm you know and even there she sacrifices herself for her father for you know in the beautiful mind for her to say well you're mentally unstable or ill this is not beneficial for me I'm gonna leave most everybody looks at that and thinks okay I, I can understand but that's not an appealing love story the appealing love story is I'm sacrificial uh, or I sacrifice my own needs and my own wants for the sake of committing to this other person. Um, I think there's a, there's a true story. Um, so our undergrad, Columbia International, the uh, I think is the founding president or the second one, uh, his son, her his wife uh, developed dementia uh, later on to the point of she would walk he would in their had had a house on campus she would walk out of the house barefoot looking for him walking for hours um, bloodying her feet all sorts of things forgetting who she was forgetting him and essentially he um, cared for her he stepped down from his responsibilities to care for her, stayed on campus, and there was a short book written called A Promise Kept. I even think there's a, a, a small film on it, but it was essentially he, he committed to loving her even though she was you know, losing her mind and forgetting everything. Um, and she ended up passing, but he, to me that's, that's the driver. Is we love good love stories if they involve some form of sacrifice, self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's part of the that theme that love stories that really match the big story we're in involve a commitment. the The love involves a commitment where you don't know how it's going to turn out, and you you know, and you know, in, in sickness and in health. I mean, that's the nature of the vows. That even though it's going to turn out different than I have in my mind to the extent that I have it in my mind. I'm committing myself to this story, to, the, to you, this person. Um, 
and that's a big part of what love is. Um, and it's sort of another movie that came to mind, which is odd because I don't know if I've thought of this movie much since I watched it. It was a, it's a, it's a movie called a hundred days of summer. Um, and it's basically just, it was a hundred It's a relationship that was a hundred days long, mm-hmm. which, you know, at the beginning of the relationship, and I don't remember who was in it, but, uh, at the beginning of the relationship, it just seems like this idealized, it's really, you know, whirlwind, very romance, very, you know, high feeling. And then it just sort of fizzles and ends. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of that really, that obviously that happens a lot. Um, and at some point, what's missing is without a commitment, that's probably happens to almost every relationship without some uh you know what's marriage whether it's marriage i mean obviously marriage is not a commitment for some people and then people have have a commitment outside of marriage but that's the idea uh, of marriage is that you're committing you know you're tying yourself to this person whatever happens like if you if if you get sick if you have trouble if you you know, become mentally ill, if you get old, <laughs> if you, if your plans don't work out and you don't make a lot of money like you think, whatever, like all of that, uh, no, you know, come heck or high water, we're going to be together. That's part, that it really does resonate with the big true story uh, that we're in because Jesus ties himself to us, mm-hmm. uh, commits himself to us. It's this gracious, permanent commitment. That's a that's a part of the big the big love story that we're in. Um, I think, and I, I, I think as as long as as long as the the sacrificial party doesn't grow resentful. Yeah. Right. I think that's the temptation of people are going to change. Your your relationship is going to change. Um, that person may not choose growth patterns for themselves. They may deteriorate. They may become, you know, angry, grumpy, cynical. They may, you know, if you're a Christian, they and they started a they may leave the faith. They, you know, you you don't know how that's going to go in the end. And I think the temptation is to play the martyr. And well, I'll stick it out, but I hate this person, and I res- end up resenting this person, and I, I I don't think that's the true essence of sacrifice. I think that's playing the the victim, and yes, it's hard and terrible and all those things, but at the same time, it's it's a lie to um, have the presentation of well, this is hard for me and I'm sacrificing, but really I'm resentful of how this worked out and who the other person is and. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm playing the the victim card here. Mm. Wow, there's <clears throat> probably a whole series of podcasts there. Um, I do think that's a temptation for anybody in a relationship because inevitably people, I mean, everything doesn't turn out like you would hope, and you have a choice to be, you know, you might truly be the person called on to sacrifice in a way you didn't expect. And that may not be your doing at all, depending on the situation. Um, 
and you have to cho- you have a choice because that might not be your choice, but responding with resentment is your choice. And part of it is just what did I expect? Like, what did I expect to get out of this relationship? And that brings mm-hmm. me to, um, do you you remember it was a it was in mosaic? Remember the mosaic age, mm-hmm. uh, that ministry uh, to young adults, um, and there was this conversation that I was a part of. That was, is there a perfect one for me out there? Uh, and it, it was the funny thing was uh, many of the females believed the answer to that question was yes. Well, and, I, I, and a yeah, lot of that the was males the... were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the premise it was interesting. You know, it was almost we were in that conversation and the assumption was of course Mike you would think that there's just one and the assumption not of I think of many people in the secular culture but probably more so even in Christianity around the conversation of God's will and it was like there's this assumption of well God has one right person for you out there your, your Boaz find your Boaz yeah find your Boaz <laughs> so what did you say you uh shattered all their hopes and dreams yeah i just said a i don't think that's true i think there's a cultural expectation behind that that's interesting to me that you know, almost like if you find the right person you won't have these pitfalls and downfalls. Mm-hmm. if you find the right person you really will get happily ever after right and because i don't because I, I think there will be pitfalls then, you know, I'm not sure. And it, it's, you know, I don't think biblically there's any any reason to believe that's true. And that's not, you know, it's not necessarily how God's will is presented to us or anything else. Well, I, I, you uh, have to reject the premise on which it's built on. Yes. I just yes. don't think there's any strong argument for uh, there's one will and one person, and therefore that means it's all going to work out. I mean, if you just take other cultures, for example... Um, that let's say it's an arranged marriage. Let's say there's um, Christian mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Indians uh, in India, and it's an arranged marriage, mm-hmm. and your parents pick for you, <laughs> and it's been set. Okay, well, there's a whole lot of complex factors in there. Um, now is that yeah, the which right is, person? Right, which is com- you know common in in many settings in the biblical world. Is right. that you know you didn't get get to you didn't get to pick your own life partner um and that sort of like seems like the biblical emphasis is you need to work on the person in the mirror you need to be the person who can make this commitment and keep this commitment you need to work on that you need to work on someone done being someone who loves well and you know leave the rest in god's hands if you will uh and sometimes you're going to be disappointed and sometimes you're going to disappoint other people that seems to be a more realistic view of the way life really works. I know that sounds less romantic, but I think the problem, you know, it's back to this commitment thing. So once you make this commitment, it doesn't matter. You know, it, is this the right person, the wrong, it's the person you committed your life to. So you need to make that work. Uh, right. Well, the, 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 the great spoken danger is if you go in with that assumption and then you hit hard times, the temptation is, well, this wasn't the right person. 
I married the wrong person. I married the wrong person. And I think you and I are on the same page. Like, if you're married, it's the right person. (laughs) That's the person. Or stop asking the question and ask a different question. Right person. Right person, (laughs) wrong person. Yeah. And that's where... I just think it is, uh, it's probably not a super helpful way to think of it. And I think part of what's behind that is this, you know, this, I want to not have to, it's a risk. I mean, otherwise it's just a risk, you know, it's a sacrifice. It's a risk. And I want to avoid that. Um, so as we're coming <clears throat> down the home stretch here, I do, you know, we probably should bring a little bit of scripture into it <clears throat> that, you know, this Ephesians five, uh, of, you know, this um, uh, talking about um, Christ and uh, uh, church and this loving commitment and so on. Um, and, you know, uh, we, Paul talks about this, uh, you know, what it means for a man and a woman to have this loving commitment uh, together and the man you know, lays down his life and so on and that, that sort of famous you know, passage where Paul's talking about marriage and family and then seemingly out of nowhere he says but I'm talking about Christ in the church it's a mystery mm-hmm. but I'm talking about Christ in the church and so we're then we're back to the biblical pattern is not just you know, submission, mutual submission, laying down your life, living sacrifice, but Christ, you know, dying for laying down his life for us is the pattern that it's almost the opposite of what we, it's opposite of the, if I get the right person, it's all going to work out and it, I won't even have to die. You know, it's the opposite of that is commit yourself to dying and that person becomes the, you're making them the right person in Mm -hmm. a sense, because you're making yourself the right person Mm -hmm. and you're putting yourself into that position of, um, I'm committing myself at, at pain to myself. And that's the biblical pattern. And, and then God takes care of my needs being met through this other person rather than me trying to make sure, you know, and, I do think there's a sense in which that resonates with us, but it's obviously scary and and painful. Yeah, uh, and, and this is what the more I get to know uh, God, and I'm, there's a lot I don't know about God. There's a lot I won't know about God. The more I get to know God, He is uh, the par excellence of what it means to love someone. Um, he doesn't force you to change. He doesn't say you have to change and then I'll love you. Uh, he doesn't coerce or manipulate or pressure. Um, it, it's really an, uh, a sacrificial, unselfish, I accept you on the terms of the sacrifice of my son and I bind myself to you and you're going you're gonna to mess it up and you're going to make me look bad. That's, mm-hmm. that's expected. And yet, I will covenant myself to you at great length. And it's the it's to me it's one of the only times circular reasoning makes sense. There's a passage in Deuteronomy, and it says, "I set my love upon you because I set my love upon you." Like, I yeah, love you. I love you because you. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. you because I love you. God gets can, can get away with circular reasoning, and and then his his patience with us. 
um, for our own sinfulness and stubbornness, uh, it really is uh, one of the best templates for what true love looks like um, mm -hmm. the more I get to know God. Yeah, and so love stories that's, that resonate with that are the stories that are really helpful and instructive and beautiful. Um, and, you know, we're very imperfect at best Im imitators <clears throat> of his love. Um, and uh, I think that's this, um, you know, as we're, as we're landing this plane, you know, that a biblical realistic view of love is a commitment on myself to another for the sake of the other without expecting, you know, you know, love, it's patient, it's kind, it keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't make sense. I mean, that's, it seems like a bad deal. And it's right? really hard, but yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and yet, you know, and that's really, it's an act of faith. We entrust ourselves to God's hand. He is the only one who can satisfy it. He might use another person to whom we are betrothed to bring that love to us in, in some way, imperfect way. And he uses us to bring that love to another in some way, in an imperfect way. Uh, but we kind of have to recognize this doesn't always make sense. And trying to make sense of it might be, you know, the, the you know, Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly's character loving the guy who has, you know, delusions. And, and then it, when he, you know, takes medication that really... That there's a sense in which that doesn't make sense. Like that seems like a bad deal, mm -hmm. but that's really what true love is mm -hmm. often. And the and the and the blessing of it is somehow hidden in that part that seems like a bad deal. And if you take that part away, then it's something more frivolous and mm -hmm. surface. You know, it's a hundred days of summer. You can't make it a hundred years. You know, if it's going to make it a hundred years, it's got to have this deeper part of it. Uh, and we have to become more like Christ to love well, I guess, is the, is the, uh, the end of that story. And so that's, that's our encouragement. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll end it there that, uh, you know, we, I, I say grace and peace at the end of these things. And we have to have grace and be people of peace in order to love well and Christ and the Holy Spirit have to form us uh, in his image for that to take place. Uh, and so let's, let's uh, entrust ourselves to him and love well. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks.